0: Hi I'm Abby from Thinking Faith. This week's episode is taken from a Q&A session on how Christians should respond to the Russia-Ukraine war. It's a continuation from a talk Max gave previously called Why bother with the war in Ukraine so if you haven't listened to it yet make sure you check it out on our podcast. Due to some technical issues I'll be reading out the questions Max was asked on the day. We hope you're encouraged by this and it helps you make sense of some of the big issues and questions we're all navigating through. In Max's talk, he put forward the idea of commerce and trade being a pathway to peace. And he used a theory from the American political commentator, Thomas Friedman, that stated, no two countries that both have a McDonald's have fought a war against each other since they both got their first McDonald's. Now, although slightly tongue in cheek, the idea behind this theory is that due to globalization, countries that have made strong economic ties with one another have too much to lose to ever go to war with each other. Now, one of the questions asked in this session was, In light of this, we still see many tensions and conflicts around the world, political and otherwise. Is there a solution? We've tried commerce, we've tried money, we've tried pop culture, we've tried politics. How can we bring about peace?
1: Look, in in kind of debunking uh, the McDonald's theory, um, I I don't want to kind of understate what it was actually trying to say and and look Tom Friedman's actually a very impressive intellectual and, and a thought leader. On these issues and and he put it across in a in a nuanced way that i'm sure he in, in such a way that i'm sure he would adjust that. Now, for what has happened, but the point of the theory is still important, the point was that commerce and trade provided enormous promise in bringing people together and in doing so in helping people to overcome their differences uh to to a point that according to the theory which we we know now is not true uh to the point that they would the more and more people were trading with each other and dealing with each other commercially the less likely they would be to go to war that is now as i said debunked at least as a literalistically um stated theory and an absolute theory but i don't think that should stop people uh both as individuals and as entities whether it's you know Hollywood or economists or the banking sector or big tech or entrepreneurs or artists or philosophers or scholars or musicians whatever it might be continuing to work to better understand people who are different and I think that was actually the beauty of the McDonald's theory that what it said was the more we can get in each other's lives and the more we can you know eat what each other is are uh, eating and think what think about what the other is thinking about the less likely we are to demonize and ostracize and marginalize people who are different so i think we do need to be a little bit nuanced and not to say well it's a complete waste of time people always fail we've tried all of these things and it always fails that shouldn't stop us trying but what is clear is that we need help from outside of ourselves so because there are so many different worldviews and belief systems in the world today we, we need to continue to build bridges and commerce is, is one way of doing that, there's no question, but the, your, your question is a good one, and, and the reason I raised the McDonald's theory is that what the war has shown us is that there is more to it than just money. There is simply more to finding peace with other nations. In the end, countries are going to behave just like people behave selfishly and arrogantly and pridefully. And if nations and groups of people are of the view that certain land belongs to them, or certain honor belongs to them, or a certain global status belongs to them, uh, they are going to sometimes, as this war demonstrates, they are going to put principles of trade, principles of partnership, principles of diplomacy, they're just going to throw those things out the window very, very quickly. And, and this war has shown that. And so anything that we can all do to build common civilizational values of peace of cooperation of freedom for individuals of freedom for minorities, freedoms of thought and speech and conscience, all of these things are not universally accepted and anchored, but they all flow out of the Christian worldview so there are a lot of people who don't agree with the freedom of speech, the freedom of conscience, the freedom of thought, um, but you you can 't be a Christian and disagree with those things. Um, a lot of people who are not not believers. Uh, not not Christians may well have issues with that and we we should have that out in a in a kind of gracious way but the point is if you do believe in those things then the Christian story is the most compelling way to anchor them and it's not possible to be a Christian and to not believe in those things and I think that's why using the Christian message and the Judeo-Christian ethic as a foundation stone for human dignity human equality and the freedoms I've been talking about is a is a very powerful a very powerful and helpful thing
0: how as christians should we perceive war and how should we respond to what's going on in ukraine
1: yeah this is a great this is a great question and it it actually is underpinned by an entire um a very insightful um kind of observation if you like if if this god i've been talking about is real and i believe that he is then he has chosen to allow this to happen for whatever reason um how would a christian make sense of that and what is the Christian response really now my I'll give you my my personal view is that God doesn't like war God doesn't like suffering he doesn't like you know his creations hurting each other God made people to be in loving relationship with one another and war is probably one of the worst examples of the antithesis of that and so war is just one of those things that God doesn't in my view desire uh, or want War happens because of our brokenness, human brokenness, human intrinsic brokenness, the evil inside people that, you know, the Russian Nobel Prize winner Solzhenitsyn was writing about, the, the perfect human, the, sorry, the, the broken human situation that C.S. Lewis was talking about. That, to me, is, explains war, and, and this one in particular. It's very clearly happening as a result of a decision, quite literally, by one person. And so tracing the cause of some suffering can be very, very difficult and complex philosophically and theologically. Whether you think about cancer or natural disasters or congenital defects or, you know, children with disease or whatever, not in this case, not in this case tracking the causation of this is very, very easy, it comes back to the free agency of one person, or maybe a a small group of people. So that's, that's not an issue for me in a theological or a philosophical sense. What are we as Christians supposed to do about that, for those of us who are Christian? And even for those of us who are not, I think this question applies. What are people supposed to do? I think it was Martin Luther King who said, a threat to justice anywhere is a problem for justice everywhere. So injustice anywhere is relevant justice everywhere which means which actually is is in perfect keeping i mean martin luther king jr was a was a follower of jesus as well it's perfectly in keeping with the christian message which says that you know there are some 7.6 odd billion people on the planet and we are all bound by the fact that we're made in god's image whether we're christian or not and so if anyone is suffering for any reason not just as a follower of jesus but because being a follower of jesus through that i acknowledge that i'm made in his image and i'm sharing this planet at least for now with all of these people that their well-being and their safety and their dignity and their value is relevant to me because god made it relevant if i want to call myself a christian i can't escape that if there's no god or you're not a christian then you don't have to buy into that you don't have to care about other people there's no need to care just who cares the answer to this question if you throw god out of the picture is just focus on you and your family and the people you like and the people who agree with you and forget about this But for a Christian, in accordance with the Christian message, we are called to love others, we're called to love others, and when others, therefore, our neighbour, and our neighbours include Ukrainians, our neighbour includes Russians who have been persecuted and arrested um, because of showing dissent, our our neighbour includes everyone over there, you know, in Eastern Europe, when they are suffering, that's our problem, and so regardless of why the suffering is happening and this applies to all suffering not just this war but regardless of why the suffering is happening we are called to do whatever we can with the resources that we've got to alleviate that suffering and that may be as conceptually simple as praying for people who are there it may be through giving money through giving resources I know many Singaporean churches um, have organized financial channels through which you can you can give um, to you know refugee shelters to the International Red Cross uh to UNICEF to to various organizations there are multiple churches and organizations within the Ukraine who have who have stayed and who are working hard there to uh, to alleviate suffering to protect refugees to protect people who have been displaced or who have lost loved ones and so forth so there's plenty practically that we can do and we must but we must also speak out against the war if we don't believe in it and as a as a Christian I don't think there's any way of supporting the war let me make that very clear I didn't I didn't want to make this a political talk I wanted to give you all an opportunity to reflect on this, to think about it, to give you some interesting ideas and insights but I'll be very clear with you I don't think there's a way of um, you know supporting Russia's invasion through a judeo-Christian ethic. And so while we might not be able to stop the war, we can certainly speak out against it the way that we think, the way that we vote, the way that we speak to people in our lives at dinner parties, at the breakfast table, at coffee tables, at water coolers, at work functions, whatever it might be, um, is to speak out. And I don't think it was Dr King, but someone very powerfully said, all that has to happen for evil to flourish is for good people to do nothing, is for good people to just kind of sit around and say, well, there's nothing I can do. Um, and so I think, I think that is a problem. So even just speaking out and given... How interconnected we are socially because of social media, whether it's TikTok or instagram or Facebook or Twitter, whatever it is that you're on telegram. um, engaging on those channels is significant that that does help shape global public opinion and so how we engage and the. The the passion with which we engage and, most importantly, I think the love and the first principles through which we engage are, are very, very relevant, and you know, there are literally dozens and dozens and dozens of countries that are seeking to put an end to this war, seeking to put an end to this war. And they would not be able to do that, I don't think, if they didn't have some level of support from their populations, some level of support from the public in those countries. I know that um, when the the Singaporean, I'm not a Singaporean citizen, so this is none of my business, but when the Singaporean government took the stand that it took and um, engaged in the sanctions and joined uh, that suite of sanctions, I don't think that that was just done thoughtlessly, I think it was a very thoughtful decision based on um, what the government perceived the, the Singaporean people um, felt to be the right thing to do and what the government believed to be the right thing to do. Uh, that way may well end up costing, you know, costing the, the national income, costing the GDP levels or whatever it might be. So I think there is something everyone can do, it might just be praying, it might be speaking, it might be uh, engaging online, it might be giving. Uh, whatever it might be but i think as christians we understand that suffering is ubiquitous there's always going to be suffering but the most important thing to remember is that we shouldn't waste too much time trying to discern the causes of suffering in this case it's quite easy to discern it what's more important is how we respond to suffering Um, to come alongside those who are suffering both you know russian ukrainian and everyone uh, who is suffering and for that matter the people in our families the people in our lives the people down the street who are suffering for other reasons Uh, So that answer can actually be extrapolated to how Christians should react and respond to suffering full stop. So I hope hope that's helpful.
0: In response to the Russia-Ukraine war, we've seen some strong anti-east sentiment and also some strong anti-west sentiment. What's the appropriate response and how should we view what's going on politically?
1: In my view, the answer to that question actually rests in the question because you finished by saying. In this situation, what is the appropriate response and that's really, really key. I think a lot of people that I have spoken to on this, some of whom agree with my view politically, some of whom disagree with me, but far too many people are trying to make sense of this and make an assessment of this and respond to this situation in light of the rest of human history. And so that's when I think it becomes problematic because very few of us, including myself, are experts none of us are experts in this space and because of that it's really important first of all so the first answer to your question is the first part of my answer is we need to encounter this situation in isolation if you like we just need to look at what is happening here what has happened who did it who started it what are they doing why are they doing it and who is suffering as a result of them doing it and this gets back to my talk the part of my talk where I talked about prejudice and presuppositions. We all have those prejudices and presuppositions, whether it's slightly anti-West, slightly anti-East, extreme anti-West, extreme anti-East, whatever it might be. But it's important to, as best we can, put those aside and just look at what is happening here and make an assessment that is nuanced and sophisticated, but that accords with the first principles I was talking about. And so for me, that is very simple. As a follower of Jesus, I see that the Christian message is very, very clear on this. Whenever there is conflict like this, Jesus stands with victims, always. The Bible has a very, very clear position on all you know political, social, cultural, economic um, debates and issues of policy and outcome and conflict and whatever it might be. It is that that Jesus Christ, that God Himself, stands with the victim, always with the victim first. So the, the Christian message actually has a matter of priority. It does discriminate in the moment of conflict. In the moment of suffering, it does discriminate. If someone has been raped, if someone has been killed, if a country has been invaded, the Christian message is very clear that God stands with the victim. That doesn't mean God doesn't love the perpetrator, that there is not a pathway back into right relationship, that that pathway to redemption is not there for the perpetrator. But in that moment, we can be very, very clear. Jesus is standing with the victim. Now, for me, if I claim to stand with Jesus, then I need to stand where he's standing so for me in these situations the rule of thumb is where is the victim who are the victims here who are the oppressed who are the downtrodden who are the disadvantaged that we see talked about in the bible again and again and again in all 66 books across the 1500 years it was written across both testaments we need to identify who those are and it's the people who are suffering and we need to stand with them that's my view and that doesn't even really mean that we need to take a big sophisticated political position you know, on whether NATO should be expanding further east or shouldn't be allowed or, you know, how the Soviet Union was dismantled in 1990-91 and whether that was fair or, you know, what America might have done in the last 100 years or what Russia might have done in the last 20 years or what white people have done or what Slavic people have done or what brown people have done or what yellow people have done. Look for the victims and the people who are suffering and we can stand with them. That's why the Christian message offers a really helpful framework because it guides all of this we we need to be repairers of the breach right this psalm that's just been put up um is helpful too these are there's like literally thousands of verses like this it's like more than 2500 i think that you find in the bible like this so for me i think it's really about standing with victims and standing with the oppressed standing with the downtrodden and and we find them you know we, we you'll find russian and ukrainian people that that fall into that um into that category. And I know in, in different situations it does become complicated sometimes to know who, who's the victim and who's not. But when there's genocide happening, when there are war crimes happening, when people, when women are being raped while their husbands are being killed in front of them, there's no real question about who we stand with in that moment and who Jesus stands with and where God is in that moment. And so for people to claim to be Christian, in that sense, that's how I think it's deeply biblical and accurate. And in keeping with God's design for human flourishing and human dignity, that we, we kind of pick our side in that sense. That's not always easy in many public policy issues and political issues, and even in some wars, that's not easy. In this one, it's very, very easy, in my view. Uh, and I, I'm yet to come across counter-arguments, uh, including, <laughs> including today, that, that would, would, you know, seek to undermine that view. So th- those are just some, some thoughts from me. It really comes down to the, the victim-focused gospel, and the oppressed focused gospel.
0: For the last question from this session, Max was asked, amidst all the tensions and conflicts going on in the world today, how do we find true peace?
1: The most difficult peace to find is the peace between each human being and their creator. That's the greatest disharmony. That's the greatest war. The greatest war is not between countries. Those wars come and go. The greatest war we all face is the war between ourselves and God Himself. That's the peace that Jesus fundamentally came to bring. That's the more important peace. And so, my encouragement to Christians and non-Christians is to focus on that. Is to focus on that now. This war will end at some point, and then there will be another war at some point. We'll never achieve full peace in the nat- in natural human efforts. But what? we can do is encourage people and love people and share with people so that they can deal with the much bigger war that is going on the war inside every human heart the war between us and god the war of me wanting to run my own life and wanting things for me the inward facing nature of human brokenness i think that's a much better conflict and war for us to focus on now what everything i've talked about today is about the struggle out there and that's all very real and important and necessary at the same time there's a struggle going on inside every human heart and so yeah I just I just encourage you uh all of you to to maybe reflect on some of the things I've said but also to remember that the main game is actually inside inside human hearts and everything I've talked about in in terms of how I suggest we respond how I suggest we act how I said what I suggest the moral commercial and financial responses to this war all have to be driven by that first so Probably raised more questions uh, with that answer than I've answered. But um, thank you all so much for having me, um, Isaiah. Thank you for your for your kind welcome, and thank you all of you for your.